This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to another edition of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmorris. How are we doing? Are we okay? Uh, it's been a historic and tumultuous couple of days, hasn't it? Or a couple of weeks and then, uh, I don't know whether you're stood in the queue or unless you're Philip and Holly, you just got a pass. you got a fast pass. But uh, made it over that. But um, listen, let's talk all things Liverpool Football Club with me, Neil Fitz. Obviously, I'm joined by Joe Rimmer. How are you, Joe? And Neil, you okay? I'm all good. I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. We're in a period of transition, aren't we? Um, and uh, Pat Smith's with us as well. How are you, Pat? Yeah, very good. This seems like the longest international break of all time. So hopefully we can get a Phil and Holly pass through this one. But I don't think we're going to, are we? No. Well, it's one of them. It's one of the ones where we never really, as Liverpool fans, we're never really excited about international breaks. Um, they often end up with players coming back injured. But um, we've gone into it with players injured. So perhaps, Joe, um, this is the kind of break Liverpool need to try and get some people back in and try and strengthen that formation. Because if there's one thing that the Ajax game taught us, and we'll talk about that in a second, it was the importance of Thiago and the importance of a stable midfield, mate, which is what we've been sadly lacking thus far. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's one of them, isn't it? Even though none of us are enjoying this international break and the extra two games being cancelled. But there might be an element of, of Jürgen Klopp thinking, well, like you've just said, get players back. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about him later, but Arthur Mello um, has been given, he's played in 221 games. He's he stayed behind, which was his choice um, <clears throat> with the under-21s to try and put, put in some extra training sessions to get himself up to speed. You know, Thiago's not gone. On international uh, to an international f- uh, football, so it's it's one of them, isn't it? Where on one hand it's frustrating and it feels like it, it knocks. It always feels like it, it sort of knocks teams off their stride. But Liverpool were never really in it this year, so it's it's a good chance to reset, get people fit, give a few players a break. You know, so Diaz went off to the to um, New York, and I think Firmino was in Disneyland, wasn't he? So give them some time to wind down and be with their families, and 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 they could come back. You know, we're all hopeful that they'll come back strong. Liverpool have got some tricky games after this break. And uh, they need everyone fit and firing. So, yeah, and they don't have too many players away on international duty, whether it be through injuries or, or other, other reasons. I know Henderson's just joined up, but I don't expect them to play too much. So let's just hope that they come back from this international play, break playing more like the team we saw last year and not the team that started this season, really. Absolutely, mate. It has been a juddering start, to say the least, doesn't it? Liverpool currently lying in eighth place, Pat, with um, with nine points. We've got a game in hand, but we are already nine points off the pace. We are um, eight points off um, fourth place, third place. Um, we're playing catch up already, mate, aren't we? And it, it's been it's been a worse start we've had for a long time. And I know Trent's Trent was talking recently about the fact that. Um, They've all got to look at themselves, have a good long look at themselves. And he feels like uh, they were thrown right in at the deep end this season rather than doing these international qualifiers or all the kind of games they normally do. He sees it as a three-block period, he's mentioning. And he says this has been in at the deep end. I mean, he's certainly one of the players who looks like he's been caught out, doesn't he? He's been been, uh, inconsistent, to say the very least, pal. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to shift it all in one player, but Trent certainly hasn't been in the best of form. I think, I mean, the main point is Joe touched on it there. This international break could actually be a good thing because there was such a short pre-season this year with the early start of the season. You know, 
were back in training in the start of July, I think it was. Really, really quick turnaround. And not only that, but the players also had to go to Singapore and Thailand, I believe it was, not correct if I'm wrong. And then, you know, that big international pre-season tour. And then eventually Klopp got to do his ideal little training camp in Germany and Austria. But that was only a week long. One, so I don't think they've actually had that proper pre-season. And that sort of fed into this poor start of the season. That we, you know, we saw the climax of that in Naples, that awful game against Napoli. And hopefully things can turn around after that. And they've got these couple of weeks in training now. I think it could actually be a blessing with a couple of matches at the weekends that have been postponed. And obviously we're not playing again until the 1st of October against Brighton. That break, you know, can give them a lot of time on the training pitch, get up to speed as they clearly need to do, particularly with the likes of Trent. I think, you know, Harvey Elliott's been in amazing form. We've slowly started realising that he maybe doesn't bring the best out of Trent and Salah despite him playing really well. But it's not only like that, it's, you know, Harvey Elliott was thrown straight into these matches. I don't know how many times they've had a chance to practice that in training, that right-hand side of Trent, Salah and Harvey Elliott. It looks like they're just sort of thrown into the matches. There's not that cohesion that you see when Henderson plays in that right midfield position, I think. And that's obviously where Trent's lacking the defensive cover. So hopefully that's something they can potentially work on over the next week. So I know they're all away on international duty, but they've had these extended periods to hopefully train and, you know, iron out those problems. Yeah, it's a good point Pat makes that, isn't it, Joe? And a lot of people I've read on social media and stuff are bringing up this issue that there's, there's absolutely no fault in the um, the performances of uh, of Harvey Elliott. And he's a great player and he's cl- clearly someone who's going to feature for Liverpool a lot in the future. There does seem to be this little imbalance on the right-hand side, doesn't it, where he's sort of coming in and, 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 and through no fault of his own whatsoever, there's sort of... Um, disrupted that kind of flow, hasn't it? And, and it, it certainly made Salah a lot less potent up front uh, in a sense that he's getting the ball really wide if he's getting the ball at all. And when he is, he's coming in really, coming from uh, a wide position and more often than not, not beating that first player. Trent, through not getting the cover with Anderson, as Pat said, is, uh, has been really frail at the back. But it it does, that would point towards some of it, but, but I feel that sometimes Trent's, it's in his body, isn't it? It's in his body. It's it's in his it's in his manner. It seems to be a little bit slow, a little bit kind of. Well, I'll get there in a minute, and it's a little bit too late. He seems to be going through a bit of a crisis at the moment, doesn't he, John? Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not. I'm never that keen to to criticise Trent. I think he does look a bit casual in the way that he plays, but so does Van Dijk. You know, and we see when Van Dijk makes an error. Quite often you have situations, don't you? I remember at Chelsea last year when it was like, why isn't Van Dijk running? People would say that. Well, why isn't he busting a gut? But Van Dijk just doesn't play like that. And I think Trent is similar in many respects. And, you know, I, I think it all just comes down to balance. And the way I, I look at Liverpool at their very best is this well-oiled machine, which the midfield was never fancy, was it? You know, I always look back at that and think you had Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Henderson, and they all just worked for each other. They covered spaces. They would never really chip in with many goals themselves. It, they were always sort of about recycling possession, pressing and get it, getting it to the full backs and getting it to the front three. And and Harvey Elliott came in at the start of last year to offer Liverpool a different threat than they. I remember Pep Linders talking about how they wanted, they think the teams would start to figure them out a little bit and they wanted to introduce another midfielder who would then offer a threat from a different area. And I think it worked at the start of last season. You know, I remember him playing well. You know, they obviously, I think he set Salah up for a goal at Burnley, then they just got ruled out for offside, but it was a great move. He, he played well against Leeds before he got injured. And I, I remember thinking that it seemed to work quite well, but this season, 
with Liverpool just having a couple of new players and having some some poor injury issues, I just don't think it's worth it in terms of balance. And that's what I think Trent is paying for a bit. I mean, if you look at the goal against Napoli, they can not Napoli, um, I actually conceded the equaliser. You know, to me, that's where Harvey Elliott doesn't follow his brother and Trent goes out to the ball and he isn't the quickest Trent. He doesn't go bombing out there, but I think that's where you would have seen Henderson dropping back in, covering the space and and, and giving Henderson, uh, Trent that cover. And, and look, Trent will never be, he's never going to be a Jamie Carragher in defence. He? He's always going to be the type of player that's great going forward and sort of, you know, needs a bit of cover in defence. So I think Trent's form will, will be fine. I just think it's it's a, it's a balanced thing, and that's something I think the Klopp, the Klopp has to work out because, as you said, I don't, I don't really think it's fair on Elliot. And I've, I've spoken a few times on podcasts about Elliot, and I think it feels a bit unfair to sort of pin it on him. But it's up to Klopp to make sure that if he's going to play in that midfield position, that we get the best out of Elliot going forward, but but also protect what's made this Liverpool team so um, so potent. Sorry, but my wife is singing quite loud in the, in the other room. She knows I'm on a podcast. So if you hear a little bit of background noise there, that, that's it. Um, I bring her in. Might, might fill in the second half of this pod for us with all the international footy. I thought uh, it was the dog screaming for food. You can tell her about my critique. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, we'll talk about the Ajax game, Joe and, and Pat, because um, it was the first time I think I've seen Liverpool against play well against a really, really good side instead of playing poorly against an average side, which I feel like they have been doing, which is more frustrating at times. The United game was very frustrating because I still come out the other end of that thing and United aren't very good, but we just didn't show ourselves at all. Ajax passed the ball really, really well. I think they're a good, strong side. Uh, and we showed with that stability in midfield, with the, with, with, with the presence of Thiago and Fabinho now then feeling like he doesn't have to shoulder everything and, and a player who, who is allowed to get forward with the ball um, we just seem to have that balance, didn't we? That 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 meant that we could take these teams on. I, I just go one further on what Joe said, Pat, about the Liverpool conceding the goal. I think it starts with Salah, um, and he he did this last season against Chelsea in the two-two draw at Anfield. He just let Rudiger take the ball off him, and I think that's a little bit that's missing from from probably most of the team this year that wasn't that wasn't missing in previous seasons, in that we def, we we defended in attack. And when the ball went out wide, Salah runs across to the to, to the wide play and he just sort of stands in front of him. He, he doesn't commit him in any way whatsoever. He doesn't put a foot in. He doesn't make the guy think about what he has to do. He just opens up his body and allows him to knock that down the line. Um, so for me, that was kind of that was kind of indicative of what of what Liverpool have just been lacking at the moment is that defence from every single man. I mean. Salah was known for getting back, and Mane was known for getting back and being really defensively strong. But if you look at that goal again, for me, it, it starts with Salah just not putting a foot in. And I feel like that's what is lacking for Liverpool at the moment, is that there aren't enough players just making that extra little bit of effort. Apart from that, pass, it was a it was a performance against a really, really good side who hadn't conceded in a while. Uh, the keeper ended up making a few worldies and, keep, and keeping the scoreline the way it was, till, of course... The big man Matty pops in and wins it, but a vital game for us, mate. A vital performance for hopefully for confidence and, and certainly for points, Pat. Absolutely massive. I mean, the narrative after the game changed completely with that massive goal. You know, I think we would have been raising a few eyebrows over performance had we drawn, but getting the win is, you know, suddenly brilliant Liverpool. I think the reason for that is obviously Thiago Alcantara starts and Liverpool are amazing. There's a shock. He's clearly enjoying himself now. He's gone on the Ales in Bavaria, I think, linking up with his Bayern teammates to get over the international break. 
I think the thing with Salah is an interesting one because it goes back to Harvey Elliott for me. Because as I said, I don't want to slander Harvey, it's always been brilliant, but he takes up that sort of not quite the number 10 role, but he's sort of in that channel on the right hand side, which Mo would typically occupy the past couple of seasons, which has pushed Salah really wide. You know, his starting position is really far out on the touchline, which is maybe why his defensive contributions at times aren't the same as they have been previously, because he's coming in from such a wide position. I mean, out there, I think there was a start, I don't know if he is still now, but he created the most chances in Europe's top five leagues. He missed what's the match he missed? He missed a match at the weekend, I think it was the one that's postponed for the Queen's death. And he still had the most assists of Chris Chances created, sorry, across Europe's top five leagues by some numbers and like 25 chances created, which has clearly shown his creative contribution from that wide is good. But the goal scoring has dried up and it's because he's starting so high out there, you know, and he's much easier to mark. And the Ajax game, for example, you had Daily Blind, who's well into his 30s now, Mark and Sally you now. Over the past four years, if you'd have seen them two line up, you'd have fancied motorbag at least a couple of goals against, you know, an aging, slow defender. But he's so wide, he doesn't really have anywhere to go. You know, as soon as you show him back inside, he's got nowhere to turn. Trent's deeper, which doesn't have that overlapping combination. And I think that's something they really need to address, whether, it, you know, Harvey keeps his place in the team. I would love Harvey Elliott to keep his place in the side. But there's clearly that imbalance because Mo's so wide, there's no room for Trent to go past him. There's no room for him to really go inside. I mean, credit to Ajax, they defended well. Calvin Bassey, you know, very promising looking young defender. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, Salah, how wide he is. I think that's why the defensive contributions from him aren't as good because he's having to track back inside so often from that wide position. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that, I think we've, we've all sort of seen that at some point. Uh, he's, it's a lot easier to defend someone when you're just kind of showing them the corner flag and letting them cut inside. And if you stick a foot in, it's getting to frustrate. I think it's frustrating the fans. It's frustrating Salah as well. And um, we need to address that, don't we? Because obviously, you know, there's a lot of people as well now starting to panic about uh, Nunez and saying, oh, what the money we spent on it. I think the thing with Nunez, Joe, is that he needs to play in a settled side, doesn't he, before we can see what he can give. I mean, he showed flashes of it. There's no doubt about it. He showed like he's a really good provider as well. But I think the whole team has to be a balanced team before he can start showing the best of what he can give, surely. Absolutely. And I think we've got to get used to the fact that Nunes isn't going to... He's just such a different player, isn't he, from what Liverpool have had before. He's not the type of player that's going to pick the ball up deep and, and work hard for it and link up in midfield. He, he is. Just like City have changed this year a little bit for Haaland. He's a, he's a penalty box player, isn't he? And, and one thing I, I've thought about Nuno so far, and look, sometimes his touch seems a bit off. Sometimes he overhits a pass or whatever. And I know there's that video going around of him from training, which doesn't, doesn't flatter him. But what he's done so far in every game he's played, he's caused a bit of chaos, hasn't he? And I, and I don't think... it's I don't think there's one game he's played where I've thought he's been totally ineffective or, or just sort of isolated or not involved he, he does cause a bit of chaos so i think people have just got to get used to it he's a totally different player and as you said it's it's not really fair to totally judge him um to me I, i'm just not even thinking about the front three i'm, I'm not i know salah's in a bit of a, a sticky patch if you like but to me it, it all just comes down to the midfield and as soon as they get a settled midfield out and they get those players fit and playing more often than not you know we know how much quality salah has got Diaz, I think, will settle down a bit. And Nunes, I think, will score goals. I, 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 to me, it's just not a worry. It's it's just the midfield. And um, as we've seen, you know, you go back to the centre-half crisis of early 2020, 
And we saw, didn't we, how that can have an impact on the whole team because one area was inconsistent, one area was weak. And they weren't attacking as well. You know, they stopped believing in themselves. They started losing games that they'd never lost in the past. Um, and and I wouldn't say this is as bad, but I definitely think we're seeing the effects of a midfield injury crisis on the front three and on the back four. So I've I no doubt that once that is, is settled, those other players will get back to their best. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's, it, it does beg the question, doesn't it? It is a strange one, the Arta question, isn't it? The Arta uh, sign and, you know, a last minute uh, deadline day sign and for a player who hadn't played since May, who um, who featured for about 10 minutes in the first team in the pool. And, and as Joe says, and absolutely rightly so, should be to his, uh, to his credit, he's been offering himself up to play in all kinds of matches. He's been playing the under-21s he's, and then... Um, I saw an incredible thing that you just would never have thought in a million years when it said that Arthur was substituted for Jay Spearing. Um, But, you know, credit to him for doing it. But it's a strange one, Pat, isn't it? It almost has that feeling of the the Ozan Kabaks to it, doesn't it? Of that we better get someone as quickly as possible. Um, And I know, listen, and I know we are without Michael Edwards now, who seemed to be the master, the maestro of pulling off really good signings. Is there something that they've seen that, that that it just seems like an odd sign, doesn't it? it? Seems like an appeasement sign, and it seems like we had to come out of the the transfer market, especially with Henderson's hamstring going. We had to come out with some somebody, yeah. uh, and and the the person we've signed is 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 trying to get extra training with the under twenty ones. It seems a bit strange, doesn't it? It seems strange, doesn't it? I mean, the the, the training with the under twenty ones that is just purely. Um, I haven't spoken to a couple of people this week. It, it seems like it's just purely just to get him fit. Um, he hasn't played a lot. I don't really know the reasons why he was frozen out at Juventus. It doesn't seem clear. It doesn't seem to be... No one seems to be talking about his attitude, do they? So whether he just fell out of favour and they were trying to sell him, um, I don't know. But yeah, so they, you know, he, he does seem to be training for fitness, but it definitely was desperation. I mean, you, you don't wait till the final hours of a transfer window to get someone... And it, what I thought was really telling this summer was it's the first time in his whole seven-year reign that we've heard Klopp sort of hint at this, didn't he? But he said, I wish the owners took more chances. He said, I've no real issue with it, but every now and again, I think they should take more chances. And, and I I think that's what it comes down to. I think he's wanted a midfielder this summer. He obviously wants Bellingham, it seems quite clear. They weren't going to be able to get him. And they've probably considered others but maybe been told, no, we don't want to spend the money if we're not 100% sure. And it's it's probably got down to the final day and he's gone, we, we need a body and we need someone. And Arthur was a player with pedigree who was available. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, won't it? You know, I think, I, I still think it's a good deal for Liverpool if, because if he ends up being quite good, I think they've got like a 30 odd million buyout, which, which isn't in this day and age. Um, like the, the most money in the world, is it? So if he's good, then Liverpool have got a, a route to buy him. If not, then he'll off he pops back to Juventus and Liverpool don't have to worry too much. So, uh, But they needed someone, didn't they? Because it got to the point in midfield where they were so under pressure um, that I think if they'd signed nobody, I think the fans would have been angry. I think Klopp might have been quite angry and you know the, the players they did have there were, were under pressure. So I'm really keen to see after the international break if he has worked on his fitness a lot whether he features much, because I think we saw with the likes of Ben Davis, it became quite clear quite soon, didn't it, that they weren't 
they just weren't going to play him. And I think if in the, the games after the international break, two or three games, if we if we don't see Arthur at all, um, we'll we'll know the reason why. That's probably not because he's not quite good enough. It is an interesting period coming up for Liverpool. You've both um, brushed on it slightly, but we have, uh, from I think from the 1st of October to something like the 12th or the 16th of November, we've got 12 matches. Um, you know, does this all, and, and I don't want to be down on it, because because but, but when you look at the Man City's flying away again, and you look at, if you worked out the amount of signings Man City have made since we were really at them, since we were, as Gundogan said, unstoppable. It does tell you a, a very, very contrasting story, doesn't it? A very different story about, about, well, whether it's about ambition of uh, at ownership level. But, you know, when you think about the... When we won the league, they just let Vincent Company go. They didn't really replace him. Didn't feel like they had to. And if you think of the signs they've made since... Uh, and collate them with the fans Liverpool have made. You, it's no real surprise to see that they start to streak away again. I mean, there's, look, there's still lots to happen in this season. Whether or not we've got any contention with being nine points behind, six points behind, if you if you if you if you give us the game in hand. But when you think of the Rodriguez and you think of the Diazes and you think of the Cancelos and you think of the Harlands and you think of the the players that they've they've, they've brought in um, to stave off Liverpool's attack, um, it does kind of tell a very different story path to Liverpool's, doesn't it? And we have a different system and I get that. We understand that. We know that's Liverpool fans and we'd love actually it to be a more pure, puritanical way uh, and you buy cheaper players or you buy players, you know, one expensive player and you, and you try and integrate them into the side. But the fact of the matter is that um, we are in this position in midfield um, because in many ways, the same way as we were when we had our centre-back crisis in that lack of uh, lack of ambition, if you like, and lack of expenditure. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think the midfield apart, you know, if you were to throw Erling Haaland in this Liverpool side, we'd all be waxing lyrical about how amazing Trent Robertson's deliveries are because they'd probably get an assist every game with the way Haaland's just scoring basically every chance made for him by City. You know, that was, I know they won the league, but City's not problem as a massive problem. But the main cause you could have concern within their side was that they wouldn't score all these chances they're creating because they didn't really have a striker. You know, despite Pep arguing that Jesus is a number nine, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, October, you mentioned there, the period we've got between now and the World Cup is just absolutely mental. And to use the old cliche, you know, you can't win the title then, but you can lose the title race in that period. And if things continue to go the way they are, I mean, it's not going to look good after the World Cup for Liverpool. I mean, the Champions League group, they should be okay. It looks like Napoli are a very decent side of the season, going well in the Serie A. You know, top of the Champions League, obviously battered at Liverpool in Naples. You know, getting a second place position in the Champions League group means you're going to get one of the big boys in the round of 16. So that could even be further problems for the Reds in January, February time. But yeah, as for the Prem in October, we've got Arsenal away, who are obviously flying high. And we've got City at Anfield. You know, if those two were to go badly, we could find ourselves in a very tricky position. And then having a match, you know, two matches every week right up into the World Cup. I don't know if the squad's there, particularly midfield, as you mentioned, you know, Artur, he's clearly a talented player. No one's going to get 20 on Brazil caps if you're not good enough. You know, he's clearly a good enough player, but he's just way off the pace. Credit to him for going out and getting fit and taking all this match time. But yeah, I mean, the midfield options fits is it's coming back to it. Every podcast I've been on since the start of July has been talking about the midfield problems. And hopefully this period of an extended rest for some players 
can get them all, not necessarily up to speed, but just give them all another rest because they didn't really get a big one over the summer. The Champions League final being so late and then a quick turnaround for pre-season. I'm just hoping that now we've got a chance to rest some players because we're going to need to rotate. And there's going to be matches where I think every side across the Prem is going to have to rotate. So let's just hope that it can pay out for Liverpool. Yeah, it's going to be a tricky one. Uh, one of the things you might have missed, Pat, when Joe was mentioning was that, and it is very telling because Klopp is always very, very careful with his words, isn't he? And um, and Klopp came out in an interview and, and, and during the interview mentioned that the, the owners need to take more chances. And that's a really telling thing to say for him, isn't it? It must be, it must cause a frustrating figure at times. You, 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 this season, I've seen so many shots of him in the touchline, just looking a bit bemused. Um, just looking a bit, kind of watching things fall apart a little bit. It, it, that might be a little bit dramatic because I think we are, as Joe said, we are, we are, a, you know, a, we are a decent running midfield away from, uh, from, from stabilising the ship very much so, but you have to wonder, don't you, whether or not there is a little bit of frustration behind closed doors at just, um, at just what he has to put up with when it, when it comes to, 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 to the owners and what they're prepared to pay. Joe, you have more or less just covered it. And it must be difficult to get players for Liverpool. It must be difficult because price tags go flying up. But, you know, there have been some decent midfielders bought for other clubs this season, haven't they? Uh, 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 you look at the guy at uh, Fulham, who seems like a really good player, a midfield player whose name I can't think of, but he played really well against us. There are deals to be done, aren't there? And there's, do you think it is very much eggs in one basket and Klopp has gone out and said, I want Bellingham, I want that deal doing in the same one. He's just going to have to wait for it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's hard to put your finger on, isn't it? You know, I, I feel like everywhere else in Liverpool squad, they've sort of like rotated in and out, haven't they, through the years? So if you look at like, you know, we had Shakiri for a couple of years, he comes, he, he does a job, he moves on. Minamino comes, does a job, moves on. And and I feel like that's happened. A fullback, you know, Moreno and then Simicast came in. Robertson's obviously, obviously there. You know, I feel like, They've constantly rotated in certain areas and bought and sold, but in midfield that just hasn't happened. I think there's a stat in that they bought like two mid, two senior midfielders in the whole of Klopp's reign. And if you look at people like Oxlade Chamberlain, Cater, they're players who like. I think they made sense when they signed them. I think they've done good things for Liverpool and they've contributed to to big trophies. But like Oxlade Chamberlain, I don't mean this in you know a disparaging way to him, but he's the type of player that I think should have perhaps been moved on. I mean, in the summer, maybe, but he, he was injured. But the previous summer, perhaps. And then they just buy a new midfielder and strengthen in that area. And for one reason or another in midfield, they've just not done it. And I don't know whether that's purely money thing from the owners, whether that's, you know, a careful planning things, whether Klopp's been quite loyal. It's probably a combination of all those factors. And I think what makes Liverpool good at transfers sometimes is, is also their downfall and that they are ultra careful. And that means that they... They almost almost always buy the right ones. They are, Klopp is loyal to players, and that sometimes means that he gets a bit more out of them. But but on the flip side, you know they they don't they sometimes get left like this. And you know City have got the money to to be able to sort of just buy and sell every year, and then they don't need to worry if someone comes in for fifty million, like what's the lad from Leeds, Phillips, and isn't that good? Well. They'll just move them on next year and they don't need to worry too much. Maybe Liverpool have to spend their money a bit wisely. But I, I do find, I do think it's cost them a little bit in midfield. And I don't want to be too doom and gloom because we've been spoiled the last few years. But I must admit, there's a little part of me in the whole clock reign that looks back on it and thinks so far, 
you know, they're unlucky. City have been around. They've been they've missed out on certain trophies by the slimmest of margins. But you sometimes, I, I believe Klopp when he says, I wish they'd taken more chances because I sometimes think if Liverpool had just been a bit more aggressive here and there, they might have a bit more to show for it and they might have missed out by such small margins. And this season's cost them a lot more so far. And, you know, what Pat says there, I think is interesting about the league because it's hard to really believe that Liverpool are going to be able to really compete for the title from here. But I think the next three games throws up a really good opportunity in, in City and Arsenal to put down a marker and, and drag themselves back into the title race early doors. Because if they don't, I think it will be over the hill and far away. And that's quite sad to say so early in the season. Yeah, it really is. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Talking about the man, we've mentioned his name. We've defended him at times. We've 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 stuck the knife in a couple of times. I think he's deserved it on on all those occasions. But Naby Keita just continues to be this enigma at Liverpool, doesn't he? He got injured. Then there was talk about unhappy contract, and then he went from injured to having a virus. He basically hasn't featured for Liverpool. Um, at a time when we really need the number eight, we really needed a player exactly the reasons we bought him. You know, strong on the front foot, good deliverer of the ball, good pass there, good shot on him. I mean, Guinea have yet to make a decision on whether he's going to play for them, and yet he's supposed to be injured. So, what is going on? What What is the trouble with Nabi Kater, Pat? Where do you begin? Where do you begin? I mean, let's go with something deeper going. To be fair, with the Guinea squad, he was sent home. Because he isn't fit to play. I mean, it, I think they're trying to cause some sensationalism. Maybe we're putting him in the squad. Who knows? We were talking about this on a podcast this week, and you know, his contract's up at the end of the season. What do the club want to do? What does Young Club want to do? What does Naby want to do? Because you know, he's clearly out of favour at the moment. He's injured at the moment, but he's been out of favour at times. His injury record would suggest that you wouldn't want to offer him an extension. To be honest, I mean, the fan base is just so divided on it. I mean, I'm sure you've all got fellow friends and supporters that half of them love him, half of them can't stand him. Then put them into third, third love and third down, third, you know, pushed either side. For me, it's one of them ones where you could offer him another contract and hopefully sell him on, but then that's risky because if he doesn't, you know, you can imagine there would be many suitors looking interested in Navi Cater with his injury record. I think you'd be a bit of a fool to take him on for the 30 million price tag that Liverpool probably want. Maybe the positive side of 20 million you want from at least. Whether it could be a sweetener and a potential swap deal, you know, that's been mentioned with Jude Bellingham in the past, sending him the other way to sort of soften the blow for Dortmund's their replacement in as such. But I mean, last season for me was the best season Naby's had in the Liverpool shirt. I thought it was absolutely brilliant at times, in my opinion, particularly in the Champions League. I think that's where he thrives, where the matches do tend to be slower and, you know, Thiago comes into his absolute element. But then you've got Naby sort of running around being that pressing monster because you can afford to have just one man pressing in the midfield at times with Fabinho, Sata, and Thiago just pinging it about. I mean, for me, I'd be looking to keep Naby. I think last season's just merited him enough credit. We're sort of forgetting as well, he's been injured this season. He's, a lot of talk's been about Cater this season. He hasn't actually played yet and he hasn't been given a chance to show that he's still worth it to Jürgen Klopp. And Jürgen Klopp's just sort of been very ominous in his answers on it. He's been asked a couple of times in press conferences and every time it's, you know, or we don't know his exact time frame on injury yet or he'll be back soon, you know been longer and longer and longer and it started off as being an illness as you said Fitzy and then an injury it's just such an interest I mean what would you do yourself you know would you give another contract and look to sell him or would you just get rid of him in this summer well I mean I'll, I'll put this to Joe as well I mean 
it's one of those mad things when he's been here for ages now. And I still don't really know what kind of player he is. <laughs> I'm not really sure because he's he's never in the team long enough to, to to make it an informed judgment. I think last year, you're right. I think last season we saw more of him than we have. Um and he was uh, and he was very good. He, you know, he was good against United, he was good, he was good in the games he played. When the ball bounces down to him in the in the Champions League final and he smashes it so high over the bar, I think it landed in our back garden. I wanted to reach through the television and strangle him because it was just one of the moments where you think, well, that kind of sums up what kind of a player he is. He, it was just dreadful. Um, I've always wanted him to work. I've always, I mean, probably my own fault for watching a, you know, a YouTube collection of his work because that that can just give you completely the wrong impression of a player. But he, he just seems to thrive on a slower game, doesn't he? And the Premiership isn't a slow-paced Virtually everyone presses in the Premiership now, so I think he finds it uncomfortable. He's clearly made out of quavers or some crisp form, because um, he's you know if he sneezes his back goes out, doesn't it? So it's one of them. It's a tricky one. Um, he's got a cheeky little nice smiley face, um, so it's hard not to like him. It's hard not to not like him. Sorry, but I just don't know, Joe. Do you? Can you cast any light? What is Naby Keita? What has he done? Where? What is he about? I, I think. You nailed it within the first 10 seconds of what you were saying there when you said he's not in the team long enough. And and that, you know, I, I think now Liverpool just have to cut their losses on Cater and let him go, whether it be on a free transfer in, in the summer or if they can get some money in for him in January. And and look, he might go on somewhere else and be an absolute world beater, but that, that doesn't mean that you should have kept him at Liverpool. I, the way I look at it is he just hasn't played enough. And... Liverpool can't keep play, paying big, big money for him to, to not be fit. And I, and I think this season was a real opportunity for him. And look, there might be an element of bad luck. We'll never really know. But to me, I just think it, it's never a coincidence when some players are always out injured. And I, I'm pretty sure there have been times when he could have pushed himself a bit more. And, and I've not seen that at Liverpool. We've not seen him play enough. And... That's the long and short. For me, I think the type of player he is is at his best, is very effective with the ball, presses well, gets, you know, does, you know, we, we discussed right at the start of the programme about Harvey Elliott giving some Liverpool something different in midfield. And and I think Keiter at his best, we've seen him do that, but we just don't see him, you know, I don't know how often he's played five plus games in a row for Liverpool, but if it's if he's ever done it, I don't know. If it certainly hasn't been very often, and and I think that is what has just ruined his Liverpool career so far. So I can't see him staying beyond next summer because I just don't see why Liverpool would do that. It just costs too much money. So that's it, really. I, I feel bad, you know. As you say, it's weird, isn't it? There's, there's a weird thing about K3. He's just one of those players that you just he always gives you that little bit of hope. But uh, this year sort of all but distinguished it for me. Yeah, it's the hope that it's the hope that kills you. Um, let's talk about um, Tomiscus uh, and his current form because you know, obviously, Andy Robinson's a hero, a legend at Liverpool, has done some amazing things. But you've got to hand it to Tomiscus; he's come into that side and he is a he is more than an able replacement, isn't he? His deliveries for the uh, in the Ajax game were, were the reason we won the game. I mean, his corners were devastating. You know, they were high, swinging out wide, coming right down near the centre, near the um, the penalty spot, and just beyond. Is there an argument, say, Pat, that um, 
Andy Robertson's injured now at the moment, I think, anyway. But is there, is there an argument that he, he he has to keep his place for as long as he's playing with this kind of form, doesn't he? Or is it a case, really, where as soon as Andy Robertson gets back up to form, he's getting hoofed again? I remember really well. Last year, I'd only been in this job for a couple of months. And one of the first podcasts I did, I uh, suggested that Simakash should be starting ahead of Robertson in Europe and got a lot of <laughs> some heavy comments, I'll say, on that one. But I, I still stand by that, particularly, I think, in the Premier League, the way it's so intense, you need Robertson. Look, I mean, as you said, Robertson's an absolute legend. I love him. I'm starting Robertson every day of the week, just on his reputation alone. He's brilliant. But Simakas is a better footballer than Andy Robertson. He's got better deliveries, technically better. He's slower and he's a lot less dynamic and a lot less, you know, Robertson gets stuck in. He'll run for you the full 90 minutes. He'll make sprints up and down the pitch. Simakas won't do that. He'll tend to stand off a bit. He occupies deeper positions, you know. He tends to cross it quite early, tends to cross from deep, which could suit us with Nunes if he's going to lead the line, particularly I think in Europe he's shown again. Doesn't necessarily suit Firmino with his style of dropping off, but if we're starting Nunes, Simakas is the player you want on the left-hand side, swinging those balls in early, putting it in behind the defence. And from set pieces as well, I mean, his corner and free kick deliveries were outstanding against Ajax. He was absolutely superb. You know, not an absolute plate for the players and a goal came as a result of one of them. So for me, it's a really interesting one because... Robertson also has been injured this season. That's the problem this season with so many Liverpool's areas of the pitch. We've got so many injuries. It's the same with Katie. He hasn't really had the chance to show it yet. Robertson's minutes have been managed. You know, he's missing this international break for Scotland. He's only really been playing 60 minutes at a time for Liverpool or 30 minutes for Simicast the other way around. But Costas, yeah, he's, he's definitely shown this season, particularly he's really come on, hasn't he? And shown that, you know, he could be troubling Robertson for his position. Definitely. I mean, Joe, I, think, I don't know whether you agree, but I mean, certainly... You know, the delivery for the winning goal, which which is a vital winning goal, was just one of many. I mean, we had about three or four chances, which we haven't had for a while, have we? From set pieces and from corners where I had a, a Matip just before his goal and a couple of times Van Dijk were clear headers, weren't they? They were, they were clearly chances because his delivery is outstanding. He, he, he's, he's the kind of player who, who, when Andy Robinson's not 100%, you don't really mind so much because you feel like you've got backup, but he deserves to be on the side at the moment, doesn't he? Absolutely, um, you know, I, I'm with Path. I definitely would keep him in there, um, and I, and I, I like him because he offers, you know, just as good quality, or, or maybe I, I would say Robertson's just the better player, but but a, a similar level of quality, but something a little bit different, doesn't he? I, I like Robertson. I think if you play it, if you expect the game to be a faster tempo, a bit more aggressive, then Robertson's your man. But if it's about maybe trying to pick your way through a team, like I think Ajax was. Um, with wave after wave of attack, then Simicast is your man and, and is crossing. I think it's a bit more delicate than Robertson's. I think it's a little bit more accurate. Um, I think Robertson's really good at playing those fast paced balls into really decent areas, but Simicast is a little bit more. It looks like he picks people out, it looks like he, he sort of he can he d- delivers a different variety of crosses. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's he certainly has been one of the bright. Spark, 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 bright sparks of this early part of the season and I, I thought he was excellent against Ajax definitely deserves to keep his place now um, you know Robson will be out injured I think for a touch longer but when he, even when he comes back I think there's a real fight on for him to get back in the team and, and that's good and perhaps that's something we've discussed before um, it's something Trent needs on the other side just to, to push him to new levels because Trent's never really had the competition as he, you know, Nico Williams was never really going to make a, a play for his spot. Joe Gomez is not, you know, is not an attacking fullback like Trent. 
So perhaps Trent needs that sort of level of competition because I think Liverpool have got a really healthy situation at left back and, and right back. It isn't the same at all. Just to so add to that, oh, sorry, Fitz, it's one of those ones where, um, you know, it's terms of quality or effectiveness from the Liverpool team and Robertson's more effective because, as Joe said, he's going to sprint behind and put probably six or seven crosses in a match. They're going to be slammed across, but he's going to put more crosses in than Simicat. He's probably going to put in two or three very good deliveries. And, it you know, it depends what you want in the team. You can say the same for Jota and Diaz. Diaz is clearly the better footballer than amazing this season on the left. But Jota's output is better. You know, Jota scores more goals from that left-hand side. It's the dilemma of, do you want the better player or the more effective output? And I think that one could really come to fruition at left-back this season, like the Diaz has taken the place of Jota now in that situation. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about right-back, because, I mean, Calvin Ramsey was brought in. He's supposed to be something very, very special. Um uh, but he had a back injury that that, that, that came up on the uh, in the medical, which they've operated on now. He starts first. To, he starts proper training. I think he's full time training back in now. So, be interesting to see the difference he can make, Pat, and also um, and like we just said, we need and I think Trent needs for him to go to to advance any further and go to the next level. Trent needs to know that if he does foul up, there's someone waiting to jump in there and. By all accounts, uh, Calvin Ramsey seems like a really confident, a really skillful player, fast player, has all the attributes um, uh, that Trent can bring and, and will provide a bit of worry for Trent and, 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 fo- and focus his mind a bit. Yeah, it's a real shame for Calvin Ramsey. It would have been lovely to see him in pre-season, you know, because there's been a lot of research into him. His play style is so similar to that of Trent, clearly not as effective and as, you know, <laughs> doesn't quite get the same output as him. But there's the stats shown for Aberdeen that he plays the same way, loves to get forward whip crosses in, you know, really similar style, good passing range. And yeah, it's such a shame for him. I mean, the thing for me, I'm a huge fan of Nico Williams. I've said this on podcasts many times. I think he was absolutely brilliant for Wales. And granted, he probably wanted to get away and get some first team action. But if he was still in the squad now, I think he could be having a case of pushing Trent for some minutes. Not necessarily starting ahead of him, but, you know, it could be more of a threat than Calvin Ramsey's currently posing, particularly as he's been injured. You know, when is Calvin Ramsey going to start getting minutes? He's slowly come back from injury now I mean the League Cup FA Cup is probably his only chances of starting minutes because if we're in a position where we need to be winning matches in the Champions League with the lead that Napoli have you can't really risk throwing you know a young 18 year old right back in for his first games there do you want to risk the Premier League title race by throwing in a new youngster right back probably not you'd stick with Trent or maybe if you want to give Trent a rest you'd chuck in Milner or Gomez over in the minute it's a really difficult one for him because we don't know yet and with that unknown entity of him, you don't want to risk throwing him in at the deep end, do you, Fitzy? No, you don't. It's one of those, isn't it, Joe, where you, you have to just assume that what he does on the training pitches uh, is... Because that clops cl- cl- 90% of what he does decision-wise in the game is what he's seen on, on the training pitch. A lot's been said about him. I think he just wants him there because, as you said before, there is nothing... There isn't really a viable alternative at the moment. And, and Trent, sometimes... I love Trent. I think he's brilliant. But there are times when I'm, I look at him and think... You know, we could probably do with sitting one out and just and just looking at the game from a different perspective, a fresh perspective, and then and then getting that hunger back when he realizes someone's snapping at his heels. And just being rested as well. You know, he's never really had a rest, doesn't he? And, and I thought it was interesting that Liverpool bought <clears throat> Simicast on the left to get Robertson out the team. I think Robertson was playing a hell of a lot of football because he was also playing for Scotland, wasn't he? And Trent doesn't often play for England. So I think he was playing well more football, but but even so, I just think Trent needs to take it out the firing line a little bit at times. Um, 
you know, I don't think we'll see this young lad until I think you're right. I think he'll do a lot of work on the training pitch. And I think when's the um, when's the youth not the youth cup the league cup game um, when that 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 next round? I think we'll probably have to wait until then if he's fit to see him then because it's a difficult position just to throw in. But yeah, Trent's just never had any competition. You know, really his whole time at Liverpool. You know, he, he took over the knee from Klein. And since then, I can't remember a player. Milner played there a little bit. Gomez, Nico Williams. I can't remember a player that has really come in and like Simicast is doing on the other side. You've actually thought, well, I'd play him this week. There's never any debate over Trent's position. And um, that's probably not healthy, even if you, you're one of the best players in the world. You still need a little bit of competition. Everyone else has got that, even the front three, but, but never Trent. No, quite right. Well, we're going to need it. We're going to need it. We, we, we did mention the avalanche of matches coming up. I'm just going to read them out here from um, the 1st of October, Saturday, 3 o'clock. We play Brighton at home. Uh, I was there last season. We ended up squeezing out a draw, didn't we? After looking like we were going to run away with it. We had an offside goal from Mane, ruled offside, or hit his arm or something. They scored a worldie. Um, you know, a decent enough team. So uh, that's the start of it. Brighton. Then we've got... Um, the Champions League matches, we've got the first one at home. So we've got the 1st of October, Brighton. The 4th of October, which is the Tuesday after, um, is Rangers. Uh, then the 9th of October, we've got Arsenal at the Emirates. Uh, and then we've got the Rangers away, 12th of October. 16th of October, Man City at Anfield. 19th of October, West Ham at Anfield. 22nd of October, these are three, four, these are four, four days apart, three days apart. These matches, the 12th, the 16th, the 19th, the 22nd, the 22nd is Forest away. Uh, and then on the 26th, we've got Ajax at Ajax. Uh, no, sorry, that's, yeah, it is Ajax, isn't it? Um, and then the 29th of October, we've got Leeds away. 1st of November, Napoli at home. 6th of November, Tottenham. 9th of November, Derby County. And Southampton away. And I think that works out at 13 games between the 1st of October and the 12th of November. Not the time to have 10 players injured, is it? Not the time. It's a time when you need two squads, let alone half of one. But listen, we've got to see the positive side of it. Let's start where we start. Brighton. We get a result against Brighton, uh, Joe, at home. And then we've got Rangers at home. You know, we could be on the back of two wins there. And then we're facing Arsenal away. And then we... If we've got this stronger squad, we've got Thiago fitted still. We've got um, the semblance of a midfield. We've got half a chance in all them games, haven't we, mate? Well, more than. Well, more than. You know, yeah, I mean, I think Brighton and Rangers, you, Liverpool should fully expect to get three points. Brighton, obviously, haven't just lost their manager. It'll be the first game um, under that new manager for them. So, Liverpool will want to take advantage of that. Rangers, you would expect to beat... And yeah, if they're going into Arsenal off the back of two wins, well, Liverpool got a good record against Arsenal. And they, they've got nothing to fear there. You know, Arsenal started the season really well, but I, I don't really think they've been tested yet. And I think they need to be tested against a team that's been there and done it like Liverpool. And um, I'm hopeful that Liverpool will go into that game and not be swept away by Arsenal hysteria because I think there has been you know, there's been a lot of talk about them and, and whether they are now a, a sort of title challenging team but I think it's far too early to tell um, so it's as I said before I think those games against Arsenal against City 
you know, they they are daunting in some respects for a team that hasn't played that well this season. But for Liverpool, it's a golden opportunity to just if you beat those two teams, not only do you pull yourself back in terms of points, but you suddenly get people to sit up and take notice and say, you know what, Liverpool, we don't sleep on Liverpool now. They they are they're back. They're still they still mean business, they're not finished. And um I think if Liverpool don't pick up maximum points in those games or certainly don't impress in the way that they play, I think people will be quite happy to write them off. So massive, massive opportunity for Liverpool and I don't really afford, think they can afford to come back from this international break and not hit the ground running because um, there's just far too much at stake and the way the games are falling, it, it's just, you, you, can't, you can't slip, can you? Everyone means something at the moment. No, absolutely. And uh, quite quickly, Pat, we just, uh, like, like, like uh, Joe just said, ideally two games there before Arsenal, which 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 would be great to get under our belt and hopefully get maximum points from them. And then we're going in with confidence. And then we've got the Rangers before the City. So we've got another game, uh, although it's at Ibrox, obviously. So it sets up well for us. We can't complain about anything else there, can we? It's just about trying to get them results. And if we can make a statement at City, then, then all, all, all bets are off, aren't they? I mean, the good thing we can take from it is it's going to be a busy period for everyone. You know, both Arsenal and City are going to be in Europe, like Liverpool. There's going to be a very hectic schedule for them. It's those games where typically you'd probably take a draw, maybe. Like, you know, past couple of seasons, we tend to draw with City. If you're going away to Arsenal or high flying, high flying side of the league, you'd probably take a draw. But we need to go there and win those games. You know, I'd really like to see Liverpool have a proper go at it and just go gung ho for it, to be honest. I think if you draw those games, it's still. Mm, probably out of the title race by now, whereas if you go there and get the big results, that's really a big statement on this title race. And Liverpool need to make a statement. It's been such a lackadaisical start to the season, particularly with the midfield. To go back to again, you know, been outrun, been out jumped, out pressed, out tackled, out intercepted in every match up to the Napoli game. You know, it's, it was a ridiculous start. I can't remember the exact numbers on it, but they've just been outplayed in every single possible area of the midfield. And now Thiago's back. That's a huge, huge boost. Let's hope he can stay fit on his little holiday in Munich, doesn't slip over in the Oktoberfest celebrations or something that will probably happen to him. Fabinho back as well. It's that third midfield spot. Do you stick with Harvey Elliott for those games or do you bring the cover of Henderson and hope it could be the best out of Trent and Salah again? That's going to be the main factor for me. It's that third midfield position. So I think in those games, you could even maybe risk going with the number 10, perhaps slot for me down behind Nunez. It's a really interesting one, but I'd love to see Liverpool just go all out attack and go for those two games because that's where the season's going to be won or lost for me. It's really early on, but you can quickly find yourself out of the title race if we don't get positive results in both those matches. Absolutely. Thanks very much, boys. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Joe Rimmer. Thank you. Tell the missus she's through to the next round of The Voice. <laughs> well, different, well, and uh, Pat, uh, congratulations, mate, on your new gaff, and uh, let's hope your Wi-Fi sorts itself out. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, hopefully by the next time I do one of these podcasts, the Wi-Fi will be sorted, Fitzy. Is right, boys. Well, thanks very much, uh, Joe Rimmer and Pat Smith. That is it for another episode of Poetry in Motion. We just need to steady the ship, get the midfield sorted, and we are back in business. It's as simple as that, isn't it? <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, join us uh, for the next Poetry in Motion in a couple of weeks. Uh, this is me, Neil Fitz, saying adios for now. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.